Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. On today's episode, my guest is Tara Bomberger, the VP of Finance at A to Z Wineworks. Hey, Tara, how are you? Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, We've been talking about this for maybe a little while, and we can just kind of nerd out about wine and what's (laughs) going on. But um, love for you just to say a little bit about your current role with A to Z and Rexhill and kind of, uh, you know, what you do, how long, how long you've been there? Sure. Um, I am the VP of finance. I have been here almost eight years, quick eight years. It seems like I have this, uh, this great role. I, you know, I'm kind of in charge of the day-to-day operating of the finance department. I have six colleagues that work in the finance department you know, day-to-day accounting operations, finance, budgeting, and then also like operational things. I get to figure out, you know, how do we make our bottling line more efficient? How do we become paperless during COVID times? So I love, I love having, you know, both views of operational side of, you know, a medium-sized company and also the financial side. So I get to see a lot of a lot of everything. Yeah. I, we're, we're kind of not, we're not a small company. We're not a big company. So we're kind of in this sweet spot. I feel like we're a $40 million company that continues to grow and, and it's, it's, it's exciting spot to be in. So let's talk about your, your role a little bit more because in wine, essentially, you know, it's, it's farming, right? It's manufacturing. And so, you know, you're not sitting in your office, like you said, crunching the numbers all the time. It's like, you get to be on the line, you get to, you help with harvest, right? It's a big deal. So how was that just having that element of the real tangible um, kind of product um, for you just, you know, versus just, you know, sitting in the back office and <laughs> do- it, it's pretty, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's loud outside of my office right now. <laughs> harvest is continuing to happen there's always a lot of things happening. We, you know, we bottle nine months out of the year, which takes place on our bottom floor of, of the office space that I'm in. That's a pretty exciting, um, you know, thing that happens on a daily basis. We, we are um, bottling about 3000 cases every day. Wow. And, and then on the production side, you know, we have, all my colleagues out there trying to get through harvest with the smoke and COVID and all these other fun situations we've had in, in 2020. 
and it's it's a fast-paced moving manufacturing facility everyone feels like oh you're in the wine industry you work at a winery and <laughs> and we're crunching grapes with our feet but that's not quite what's happening there's this romantic knowledge you know notion of of the wine industry and some of it's true it's a pretty cool place to work and and you know the perks are are great but there's a lot of things happening there's you know safety protocols and you know all the things that you know most offices don't have to think think about yeah so since you've been there eight years um the company's grown a lot and i believe you're the largest or not one of the largest wineries uh-huh. in, in Oregon. Um, from a finance side and just a growth side, what, what have you learned as far as like scaling the business, being part of, uh, of that? It's, it's a pretty amazing, the growth of just the Oregon wine industry, you know, um, it, over the past 10 years, you know, in the early 90s, what there was maybe 150 wineries and now there's well over 1300 wineries. Wow. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. And, and the amount of money that the wine industry, you know, is giving to the state and the jobs that, um, that are offered in the industry is pretty exciting. It's an exciting time, I think, in the Oregon wine industry. Um, since I've been at A to Z, we've grown production from, oh, I think when I, when I was in 2013, I think we're, we were probably at, I'm, just kind of guessing around 100, 150,000. Now we're at 350,000 cases. Wow. So yeah, it's a lot of scaling. Um, a lot of, we're, we're, we run a tight ship. We, you know, we've definitely hired more people in the time that I've been here, but we get a lot of, a lot of things done with not as many people as, as you might think. So the scaling is, you know, we're, one of my biggest jobs is to make sure that our cost per case is, is within line of, of what we want it to be and making sure how do you, how do you produce, you know, an extra 150,000 cases and keep that at the same cost and build buildings. And we've built, I think, three buildings, huge buildings since I've been here. So it's fun. It keeps me on my toes. It's, it's definitely something new and different every day. And so one of the things as uh, maybe t- was it two years ago, one of my events, you, you know, you spoke about, uh, cause A to Z is a certified B Corp, is it yep. right? And just managing this triple bottom line of, you know, from the finance side. So I'd love for you to, I know it's rehashing some of it, but talk a, little, talk a bit about what that means for your role, but just the company and the different, different elements of, of a B Corp. Sure. I think how that pertains to being a B Corp pertains to my job is, you know, making sure that when the culture in, in, my, in my team, you know, making sure that we have the company's values. How, how, do I, how do I get that across to my team? How do I get that across to the vendors that we're working with? You know, we're working with a lot of vendors. We're paying them. We're, you know, trying to meet their needs, making sure that our values come across to them and that we're using the right vendors that we want to. We try to use a lot of other B Corp vendors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's a big, I think the B Corp values is, is how to produce, how, how do you balance profit and purpose? Mm-hmm. And we, in the, in the finance firm, obviously I'm, I'm worried about us making a profit, but also how do we come across with great values? We care about our employees. 
we care about the wine that we're making, you know, all those things kind of come into play. Does it make it because you have that balance of profit and purpose, does it make it better to work there? Oh yeah. I, it's, I can't say enough of how great of a place this is to work. Um, I think the four founders and Amy Prozenjack, the president and CEO, they've created this culture of, of values of how they treat people, I think is the biggest thing I can say is that every employee is treated with respect. They truly care about who is working, their family life, what's happening, um, how, how we can educate people and, and just keep growing every day. Like, you know, we want people to learn new things every day. And I probably do every day. Mm. Um, just trying to, just trying to keep growing as a company and as people within the company. Yeah, no, it seemed, you know, I've, I've um, a couple years ago interviewed Deb, one of your founders, and it, it just, I love that. It starts from the top, right? And sure. Well, I want to get into kind of the business model of wine and then how COVID has disrupted that <laughs> maybe because it is, you know, in Oregon, we have this like three tier system of the liquor. It's super complicated. You know, it's a lot of regulation, but obviously you're seeing the direct consumer model uh, on in the wine industry really come to life. So how does that direct consumer model uh, work at A to Z? How is it? maybe accelerated during COVID? I'm not, yeah, I'd love to learn about that too. So I would say about 75% of the uh, wineries in Oregon rely on their direct-to-consumer programs. We are in a unique situation where we don't necessarily rely on our DTC um, direct-to-consumer program. We love them and we're building a brand new tasting room, um, which is exciting during COVID. So we, I, we feel like we're in a really unique position and feel very fortunate in the fact that we don't have to rely, um, especially during COVID, when many, many wineries have had to close their doors for you know, a good two or three months. Yeah. That's rough. Um, my colleagues in, in our DTC program, they have done a great job of trying to be creative. And I think everyone else in the industry as well is just trying to figure out how do you sell wine when people can't come to your beautiful tasting room or your vineyard. And they've been really creative and different programs. It's been fun to watch and be a part of it. You know, there's no events that are happening. There's no, you know, vineyard walks. There's no, um, you know, tastings and they've come up with virtual tastings and, um, you know, a lot of different, you know, uh, cooking and and doing a lot of Zoom things. Um, So that's been exciting. And also it's been different with our distributors and our national sales team. You know, they they haven't been able to go to distributors Mm. and have their different meetings. That's all through Zoom. Now they're used to be, you know, used to traveling all over the country. Right. And so um, that's changed. So for both sides, both the DTC and the wholesale side for us has completely changed. Mm. And I think it's all about my, my word for 2020 is being adaptable. Yeah. And how do you keep making it happen with the constraints that are put upon you? Yeah, and it sounds like you're being successful at it because I think the business, from what I understand, is, is doing well. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm drinking a lot more wine, so that <laughs> small sample size, but I think everyone in the nation is right. Everyone is. So, yeah. Um, and is that as for the, the wine industry and Oregon as a whole is, is that the case or is smaller wineries really struggling? Like you said, that really just rely on their like tasting room for most of their sales or cause it's a, it's a close knit community, right? The, the it, it is, it is a close knit community, which is great. Like the Oregon wine board, a lot of smaller wineries use to get information. It is, it is a great close knit community and every, everyone wants everyone to succeed. Yeah. Um, every, you know, we, I think everyone thinks that as a whole community, you know, we want the visitors to come to Oregon, not just to A to Z or Rex Hill. Um, You know, we want, we want it to, we want to portray the Oregon, you know, Oregon wine country as, you know, the new, the new Napa or, you know, everyone wants to go to California. We want people to start coming to Oregon. Mm -hmm. So it is a whole vision. um, And we want to definitely help, you know, everyone out. We feel like we're in a, again, a, a unique and fortunate fortunate position. I can't really say, you know, how other wineries are surviving. I know, you know, many of our friends that are in the industry, they're being just as creative and trying different things. And now, uh, now a lot of people, a lot of smaller wineries are, are back open, which is nice. I think a lot of them are using a reservation system mm-hmm. to allow for that to happen. So that's nice to see. Um, it will be just interesting to see how the winter goes. I think that's for restaurants and wineries and, and everyone. And it's just, I think I just keep going back to, you know, how can you be adaptable? How can you learn from it and, and grow and not always do the same thing that you always have? Yeah. You know, I'm fortunate. I get to talk to a lot of different, uh, a lot of people in different industries and, in one way, I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, but this is really great for the acceleration and just the creativity of different things. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, my heart goes out to businesses who, who haven't been able to make it or really struggling. As you know, I'm in the events industry and that's uh, not, not <laughs> a great thing right now to gather yeah. people in person, yeah. but um, the acceleration of just, uh, you know, Zoom and things, I still, I still think there's a lot of um, benefits to it. So, well, the fires, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you and I, but how has that affected the vintage? Um, I know there's things you can mitigate it with now, but I think a lot of people who are going to be buying the vintage uh, when, when it's ready uh, are curious about it. Yes, it was, it's, it's definitely, you know, we had fires a couple of years ago, but only in one area in the Columbia Valley, we source our grapes from about 50 to 60 different growers from all over Oregon. So we've always felt like that has mitigated our risk of, you know, the whole state's not going to be under fire. Well, apparently it can be. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was a kind of a shock, really. I mean, no one really expected that. And I'm hoping, you know, that next year is different, but it seems like this is, this could be the new normal on how do you, again, how do you adapt and, and, deal with it. Um, we are fortunate to have some great winemakers. They are fantastic at their jobs and they're working through it. You know, we're just finishing up getting all of our grapes in right now. And we really haven't received all of the lab results back. It's hard to know, you know, wine changes as you, you know, get it as a grape and then 
as it ferments, the smoke changes over time and then it can continue to change as if, you know, in, in the bottle or in the barrel. Um, so it's a constant changing thing. It's not just like, Oh, it has smoke taint or no, it doesn't. Um, so, you know, wine is a lot of, it's a, it's, it's a science. I think most people think you just get the grapes and smush them and you're good to go. Um, but I love going to our lab. I think our, our, my colleagues in the, in the lab, it's, they have such an interesting job. It's all about science and they're trying to figure it out and trying to, and see what they can do with the grapes that we have received. We, there was some grapes that we didn't receive this year. We're going to make um, less cases than we thought we were, which is, which is fine. We're in, we're again, feel fortunate that we're in a position that we have inventory from previous years that we, we can sell through and be just fine. So again, we, with the fires, we just, I, and I feel like most of the industry would say the same thing right now. We just don't know. Yeah. Um, it's too early to tell. I think, you know, come back in a couple months and we'll have more results of, you know, after things have fermented and, and gone through some processes and gotten some more lab results back. As you, I'm sure there's, there's so many wineries putting wine through the labs right now and trying to get information back, especially, you know, in California, they've had so many problems um, and fires down there that, mm both, you know, pretty much everyone from San Francisco up, you know, Walla Walla, Washington, those places, you know, they all have the same issues. And so everyone's trying to find out information. Mm -hmm. What is, um, not to get too introspective, but you know, I I like to do that. Uh, what, what's for you as your personal growth at, during this time as a professional, what's like a big takeaway for you? I mean, adaptability is, I think it's just a great, you know, insight and be positive about it. Um, what are um, I try, I try to be positive. There's definitely days where, I mean, it feels like a roller coaster um, personally and professionally. Yeah. I think um, the hardest thing is managing a team, you know, mm. via Zoom. You don't have like personal connections that you do when everyone's in the office, you know, that's, it's frustrating and, um, just keeping, keeping people motivated, I think, and changing processes. And, you know, not a lot of people like change. So we've all had to change in the last nine months and figure out how do we still be efficient and effective at our, at our jobs and how to do that differently. And I think if you can't be adaptive and you can't change, um, and grow, it's, it's hard to, live in the world we're living in right now. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, I, you have those times. I think it's okay. Cause I have those days too. Like I'm just so down. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on with everything? And so I think it's, you know, okay to, to say that and to, to kind of feel that. Um, I hope it's okay. But. <laughs> I, I completely, I completely agree. I think that's, you know, helpful for other people to say like it's okay to you know be upset it's okay to have a bad day I just always try to be there for you know colleagues and friends and you know hey we're all going through this together how can we make it better I feel like that comes a lot from our culture A to Z that you know trying to lift people up trying to grow as individuals yeah um 
and it doesn't just have to be you know professionally i try to zoom meetings you know get old after a while with i know with my finance group um, I felt like I, I was the only one talking. I was getting sick of hearing my voice. So I recently made them, um, everyone has to once a week come to the table with a different article or a TED talk or a video or something. And it doesn't have to be about finance or, you know, anything. I don't care what it is, but it gives us something to talk about yeah. and to, you know, learn something new every day. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's great. And it's, you know, even though you're not in person, it, it's maybe something you wouldn't normally do if you did see mm -hmm. every day, every, everybody in person every day. So, so that's great. Well, um, Tara, thanks so much for doing this. And for A to Z, are you, is the taste room open? We have been open on um, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, we don't have a tasting room right now. We, oh, so cool. yeah, Again, my colleagues in the taste room have been pretty amazing through this whole process. When COVID hit, we had closed our tasting room because we're doing a complete remodel of the whole tasting room and the building. So they were out living out of kind of a, in the middle floor of our cellar and having a tasting room in there. And now, we have harvest, so they don't have that. They've gotten kind of shoved in different locations during this whole time. So they just have the outside right now, but we're hoping to open our brand new tasting room um, by Thanksgiving. Oh, so wow. we're really, cool. yeah, we're really excited. It's going to be beautiful. Um, yeah. And our, our, definitely our DTC folks are excited to have a, a place again. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to checking it out. And as you, you know, I don't live too far from there. So yes. <laughs> yes. it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. Last question, your favorite variety of wine. Oh, geez. Uh, it depends. It depends on, uh, on the weather. Rosé is definitely my favorite summer drink. And then I probably drink a little bit of, uh, you know, more reds, Pinot, during the winter time. Yeah. Do you, do you do a Malbec? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just love yeah. Malbecs. I'm happy yeah. to fix them up. So yeah. You know, living in Pinot world, I feel like it's always fun um, to try different um, varietals or, you know, Italian reds, mm -hmm. things like that. It's always fun to have new things. Well, we can geek out about wine for a lot longer, I know. So we'll, we'll pick up the conversation another time. But um, thanks so much, Tara. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.